This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Welcome to Dolphins Week, and welcome to another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt Bove from Channel 7, joined, as always, by Sal Capaccio. We're getting you ready for a matchup of two undefeated teams, 2-0 and taking on 2-0 and as the Bills travel to, what's the official title? Miami Gardens, Florida. That's where, this, that's where the stadium that's is? That's what I've been putting into my weather app all week, Miami Gardens, because of this, to make sure to see what the weather's going to be like down in the field. I made a tragic mistake last year. This will be, I think, my third or fourth time at Hard Rock Stadium. But last year, I wore a suit. You go to these games, I figure, wear a suit. That's what I do when I go on TV. And, oh, my goodness, was it a dumb decision. I remember walking through the parking lot because they have you park actually pretty far away. Walking through the parking lot with all of the equipment that I have in a suit, I felt like I jumped into a pool. And then after the game, when I went back onto the field to do everything for the six o'clock news and the 11 o'clock news and everything, what a dumb decision this year. I'm just throwing a polo in a bag and we're going to give it a go, whatever. Sorry, TV. I'm just going to be comfortable this year. That's what you should do. Because when you have these games in September, we talked about this going to LA and going to Miami in September, not ideal. You'd, you'd like from our, our standpoint, our purse, like um, to be uh, selfish to go in December, right? When it's mm-hmm. colder here, you want it warmer there, but it is warm. And by the way, speaking of the weather there, it's going to be your typical South Florida day. If people are going down and I know a lot of people who are listening to this are going to the game, maybe flying down, maybe you live down in the Southeast somewhere in the United States, you're headed to the game. It's going to be a typical 85 degree humid day with thunderstorms around in the area. So last year they actually, it actually did rain for a little while when it didn't mm-hmm. seem like it was, but that's typical for South Florida. So it's going to be that hot and steamy weather that you're used to and that what you had down there, Matt. So I don't blame you. Uh, definitely. Well, what are you doing? A little polo then a little polo um, light. So wearing yes. shorts, you wearing flip flops. What are you doing? Uh, so I thought about this and this is a great question. <laughs> so when I go golfing, I wear a polo and I wear shorts, but I figure to work. If I'm not going to be outside for the entire day, I should probably still wear pants with the polo as opposed to just shorts. So the current plan is a polo, a pair of golf pants, and then a pair of like, you know, those shoes that people wear that aren't like dress shoes, but they're also not sneakers, like an in-between shoe, not an athletic shoe. I have a couple pairs. Sure. That that's going to be my basic plan. And I'm just going to make sure that I completely don't melt. And Oh, by the way, a little bit of Jersey news for those of you out there, the bills are wearing blue this week because the dolphins usually make the visiting team wear dark, especially early in the season. So the bills will be wearing dark. So they're going to stand out. Nice. The colors pop as they always do. The blue jerseys have worked pretty well for them so far this year but it's also going to be a little hotter in those blue jerseys than it would be in white jerseys. I'm assuming they'll wear white pants this week. They haven't done that yet. They've been blue on blue, but they are two and zero in the blue. Like you pointed out. So that might be good, you know, for the bills and an omen, I guess, uh, since they're already two and zero. speaking of hot. So before we get into the football stuff here, I want to circle back to something you mentioned to me, maybe months ago, one of the first podcasts 
and I have to give you credit. So I've actually started taking a few cold showers recently. Oh, and I love that. It is pretty awesome. It is pretty. Now I will tell you, I don't put it really cold when I jump in, I have it warm and then I kind of get it over to the cold yeah. as I'm in there, but it feels good. And it's way better than I thought. The only difference is like on my back, I'm like, Oh no. But mm-hmm. on my face, on my head, my bald head, I love it. It's actually really good. I go to the gym, I work out and I usually take very hot showers and I started kind of taking that advice of, okay, what about the cold shower? Because we've talked about this and there are a lot of health benefits to it. And you brought it up and I think you said you started doing it or you're doing it now, but I did it and I'm really digging this now, this cold shower thing. Are you a sauna guy? I feel like a sauna goes well with a cold shower. I am. But so at my gym, I have a steam room and I love the steam room. Beautiful. And then depending on which one I go to, I have a steam room or a sauna. Um, But, but usually I only have the steam room, but I am a sauna guy when I go to the sauna. So cold showers, Matt, I'm telling you, I'm just here to tell everybody like, if you've never tried it, you never experienced it. I know it's kind of a shock to your system to do it for the first time. Once you experience it, you, you see what all the rage and the rave is about. Just wait until the winter, how bad it is in the winter. You imagine it's tough now, and it is. Like, cold showers never get easy for anybody. I don't do them regularly or anything like that. It's occasionally. But in the winter, you wake up, you work out, you do whatever you got to do, and you shower, and yep. it's cold. Oh, it is awful. But that's awful. why we have a hot tub in my house during the winter outside. We could just go in there when it's not, when it's like, you know, 40 degrees or 30 degrees, just jump in the hot tub. Yeah, well, it's all of these extreme temperatures that are apparently good for your body, either being really hot or really cold at times, I guess, does wonders for you. So I don't know. I hope it continues to work for you. It's always game day in Buffalo. You can download us. We appreciate you subscribing to us. Please subscribe. And that way you have every single episode immediately in your, you know, iPod, um, your app, wherever you, wherever you pod in your app, whatever. Did uh, you just say iPod? I did. I did. You said iPod. That's amazing. What do you call it in your, um, in your pod platform, you know, no, but like, what do you, what do you call it? Like, say where, where someone gets their podcast, what would you call it? Not just an iPhone it could be anywhere. What would you call it? Uh, I don't even know what you would say. I would, I just, I download them all. So like I automatically, they automatically download, whether it's our in, podcast or right. other podcast that I listen to. And I, I think it just, your library. That's what I would okay. say. Your podcast li- library. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Wherever you get it from uh, Odyssey app, all of your, um, you know, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get it from Google podcasts, anything like that. You know, we're always right there. Give us a nice five-star rating. We appreciate that. Throw us a nice review, but uh, stay on top of things with this. And the reason why we want you to subscribe is like, we're coming fast and furious every week now, Matt, like it's two episodes a week. It's after the game. It's before the game. We just did one Monday night from at the stadium after the game. Uh, we have another one coming here, obviously before the game on Sunday, we'll do another one next week, either after the game or right away Monday at some point. So, you know, we want to make sure everybody's kind of in touch and these things are timely. We want to talk about, we want to move on to the next game because that's what happens in football. You got to put that one behind you and move on to the next game. Yeah. Especially this week. Cause it is a right. short week and it really caught, I mean, like we were doing a podcast on Tuesday morning, very, very early in the day talking about the bills Titans game. But even when we were doing that, people were already starting to shift their focus to the dolphins. And it's just such a good storyline. Like this might be the game of the week in the NFL this year, the bills and the dolphin, not this year, excuse me, the game of the week in week three on the NFL calendar. I mean, you've got two unbeaten teams. Tua is so polarizing because there are so many people who don't think he's good. And then there are so many, people out there that are truthers about Tua. He's kind of like become the guy that the NFL needs every year. There is one of these guys, whether it's like, is this quarterback good? Is this quarterback? It used to be Josh Allen. It used to be Josh Allen's great. Josh Allen's terrible. He's a game manager, blah, blah, blah. That has kind of become Tua now. And then obviously the bills are a juggernaut. They're Super Bowl favorites. So uh, yeah, we want to make sure we get you ready for what should be a fantastic matchup in Florida. And it is the Miami Dolphins. You call it Dolphins Week. Matt, it's Miami Week. That's what you got to say. It's Miami Week. That's how we say it here in Buffalo. It's officially eh. goes back many, many years. It's Miami Week. It, it's, a, it's a thing. It's kind of like a, a high school rivalry, right? That these, uh, it goes back so many years, the rivalry these two teams have. So we are almost eight minutes into this pod. We've talked about showers. We've talked about <laughs> uh, what, what uh, where to get your podcast, what that's called. We need to talk about the Miami Dolphins. And I want to give everybody a bit of a history lesson. So as the, uh, the old guy in this podcast, um, I go back a little further than you do, Matt. And so why, why are, 
why are Bills and Dolphins like, why do you hear people my age? I'm 49 turning 50 in April. Why do you hear people my age and older talk so much about hating the Miami Dolphins? Because I'm guessing for people your age, you grew up mostly hating the New England Patriots, right? I mean, that's that's the team. It's not the Dolphins. You hear about it from your dad, probably, Matt. Mm-hmm. But it's really the Patriots for you, I would think, and people your age. Yeah, never in my life when I was a kid, when I was growing up in right. Western New York, did I really think the rivalry with the Dolphins was that significant. I knew that it was something. I always heard my dad say, like, squish the fish and yep. you know how much they hated those teams back. But I never really understood the kind of origins of the rivalry or why it was even a thing other than the fact that they're in the same division. Well, this is why Matt 1970, the bills and the dolphins play twice a year. They're in the same division. And back in the, you know, I mean, you go back in the 50s, 60s and into the seventies, Buffalo was a a thriving town, right? They had Bethlehem steel. um, They had all these other steel mills and general mills and all these other plants and businesses. And it was a big commerce, you know, section of the country in a big city. It's one of the bigger cities in the country. And actually, even in the world, you go back further than that. And then came the 1960s and seventies and into the seventies, when the interstate system came about, there was really no need for the water transportation and the steel mills started closing down. And they just, it would Buffalo became a city where people were leaving more than they were entering. It became a city where it was more dying. And you know that, right? I mean, that's what happened. That's, that's the story of Lackawanna, Bethlehem steel and people who lived there. And, you know, Buffalo was a city that was thriving and then suddenly just kind of, Hey, you know, we don't need to stop there anymore. And we're going to bypass that through our, our, our roadways, no more railways, things like that. And anyway, it's a long way of saying that, in the 1970s, Buffalo had a very tough decade. Lots of people lost their jobs. Um, the city was losing and population declined. Inflation was through the roof throughout the country, things like that. At that exact same time that was happening, the Miami Dolphins were kicking the ass of the Buffalo Bills every single year, twice a year, 1970 twice, 1971 twice, 1972 twice, all the way through 1979. It's literally 70 through 79, not 69, not 80. Those 1970s, 20 straight games, the Miami Dolphins beat the Buffalo Bills. In there, one of them was in 1972 when the Bills lost by, I believe they I believe they missed a field goal at the end of a game to beat the Dolphins, who eventually wound up going undefeated that year. Oh. That was that was the only game that like the Bills almost beat them that year. And then 1977 came. 1977 was a tough year for Buffalo. It was the blizzard of 77. And that really put Buffalo on the map for a very, very unfortunate, you know, infamous situation. People died. There was, you couldn't travel. The city was shut down for weeks. Buffalo became a punchline. It became a joke around the country because of the weather, because of the football team not being good, you know, was a part of this. Like, yeah, well, who would want to go to Buffalo in football? It was, ah, you don't want to play there. Look at the snow, look at the weather. They stink. And around the country, it was just who would ever want to be a part of Buffalo, Matt, Throughout that time, I'm telling you, Buffalo Bills fans, Buffalonians associated all of their hate and misery and everything going on wrong with them to their psyche of their football team losing to the Miami Dolphins for 20 straight games and for an entire decade. It was a psychological thing for a long, long time. And on top of that, you had a guy named Don Shula on the other sideline who was part of the competition committee, who it was known for, at least perceived, I should say, to a lot of people, that he would get calls changed, he would get calls in his favor, and every time the Bills would play the Dolphins, it'd be close, and then something would happen, and it was, oh my God, Shula, he's on the competition committee. Or they'd meet on a Monday night, and crazy stuff would happen, and the Bills would lose. This is a four minute way of saying all of that stuff built up and pent up for people my age to learn to hate the Miami Dolphins more for psychological reasons than anything else because they beat the Bills so badly during the worst decade ever for Buffalo and Western New York. And in 1980, when they played each other in the opening game in Buffalo after all that, the Bills won and the fans tore down the goalposts in the opening <laughs> game of the season. That's wild. I had no idea. I mean, like I knew the bills weren't good during that decade. And of course I know the history of the city of Buffalo and everything, but I didn't kind of know like the cross association. Now, let me ask you this. And I don't know if you know the answer to this. 
when I was growing up and the rivalry with the Patriots here in Buffalo was so strong and there was so much hatred, it felt one-sided like Patriots fans. I don't think ever hated bills fans. It was like, Oh, you're the annoying little brother. You're just a little pest. We don't take you very seriously. When did it turn or hat? Did it ever turn for the dolphins kind of to view the same way the bills do they do, you know, like how, how great did that question. Happen? It's a great question. And then it happened, right? Because you could say all of that and go, yeah, but what about the super bowl years? Well, after the night, the early 1980s, when the bills were pretty good, but then the dolphins got Dan Marino and they went to a super bowl uh, shortly after that. And the bills weren't that very good for a couple of years, but the bills still wound up going down. If people, people might not remember this, or you might not know this right before Joe Robbie was built. Well, now it's hard rock stadium. They played in the orange bowl for so long. The bills had not won in the orange bowl. They like never won there. And the last game the Bills ever played there, they had a huge comeback and won the game. And it was like, oh, my God, we actually went to the Orange Bowl and won. And then Jim Kelly comes along and Marv Levy comes along. And the Bills started beating down the Dolphins every year from like 1988 through the early 90s. And the Dolphins could not get over the Bills. So all of that kind of flipped the script where the Dolphins said, we hate that team. We can't get over team that team. And it became more of that kind of rivalry. And then, of course, in the 1990s, you had Brian Cox. Brian Cox, the infamous Dolphins player who gave the Bills fans the bird, the double bird walking out of the tunnel, gets in a fight with Carl Gard- uh, Carwell Gardner on the field, gets thrown out of the game, all of that stuff. So I'm telling you, this goes back to the 70s because of people my age and people older than me. And then the 80s, you had everything else that happened. And then the Carwell Gardner stuff in the 90s, Carwell Gardner, I'm sorry, the uh, Brian Cox. Brian Cox said, if I'm traded to Buffalo tomorrow, I would retire. He said that one time in an interview. Really? Absolutely. And since then, though, really since the drought started, neither team was that relevant, really, to have that kind of hatred towards each other. They just kind of hated the Patriots more than anything. So to answer your question, Matt, it turned really when Jim and Marv got here and Don Shula could not beat Marv Levy and Dan Marino could not beat Jim Kelly. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like I'm a little bit more informed um, because I always just kind of thought, hey, it's a division thing. It was Marino. It was Kelly. I knew that the dolphins obviously went undefeated in the early seventies. And I'm sure that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but I didn't know kind of the layers to it. You want to know my, this isn't necessarily a dolphins story, but as you were telling this and you were talking about kind of how Miami continued to grow during those years and Buffalo continued Mm -hmm. to decline. You want to hear my really weird connection to like South Florida, Miami that also is connected to, okay, this is interesting. Do you know the movie Caddyshack? I do. Okay. So, my grandmother, Love that movie, by the way, as do most golfers and most <laughs> sports fans. Yes. My grandmother, no longer with us, Norma Vaselli. Her family was from Italy. You know, she grew up in the falls while well, her first cousin moved from the falls to South Florida in like the forties or fifties. Okay. Mm-hmm. He was in the stone business. And as Miami continued to grow, he continued to become richer and richer. Well, over the years, as he continued to grow his wealth, he bought a golf course in South Florida, in Davie, Florida, which is a suburb of Miami. That is the golf course where they filmed Caddyshack. Wow. Yes. So That's amazing. They, the family sold the golf course years ago. I think it was in like the late 80s or the early 90s. But they never say in Caddyshack, like the, the movie Caddyshack, the premise is that's a Chicago based golf course, but it was actually filmed in Florida and it was at the country club that was owned by, you know, my extended family that I, I never met. I've never been to the golf course. I've never played the golf course, but it's always like a really cool, interesting, like, oh yeah, like that's really cool. Cause people love Caddyshack. Yeah, they do. And um, look, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of displaced Buffalonians down in South Florida. We oh, see yeah. them every year. It's um, I would t- I was I've been told by Bills players who played in the '90s that the team themselves would call it Buffalo South when they would play there because there'd be mm-hmm. so many Bills fans, and there will be a lot of Bills fans at the game on Sunday. So I hope everybody appreciated the history lesson on the Bills and Dolphins, and that's why here in Buffalo it is Miami Week. Let's talk about it. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, Sal and Matt here. It's always game day in Buffalo. So Marcel Louis-Jacques, who covers the Dolphins now, was it's, he was with the covering the Bills for ESPN in the ESPN NFL Nation. Good friend of ours, obviously, does a great job. He was on our station, WGR, on Wednesday morning. He said something really interesting. He said, you know, if you go back to the 2019 Bills against the Patriots and how Josh, you know, had that awful game in the early in the season, but they still almost pulled off the game, even though Josh, you know, went went out of the game and came down to the last drive. And then they go down there in prime time and the Bills are right there at the end of the game. And, you know, they didn't win, but they felt like we're in these games. Like we're getting confidence. And of course, 2020, the, the, the script flipped when the mm-hmm. Bills started winning against the Dolphins. He, he compared that to what the Dolphins did kind of last year against the Bills or last couple of years where they've been in games. He said, he goes, I know it, the score doesn't indicate it, but they played better than people think. They stayed in these games. They were actually closer. And he said that growing confidence for Miami from the last couple of years and how they played the Bills is kind of in line with what the Bills did with the Patriots. And that's why he thinks there's a confidence in Miami with their fans and even their team that maybe they're ready to challenge the bills here. What do you think about that? I think that's a very fair comparison because I think back to the game last year, the second game, the one that was in orchard park, and it was a lot closer than the score indicates like Marcel mentioned. And like you had just mentioned, the Bills scored late in that game to kind of put the dolphins away, but Miami was hanging around like late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter. And it was kind of like, why are the bills not blowing out this team? Because I think at that point they had still been on that losing streak where they just kept losing consecutive games until after they kind of turned it around and went on that run at the end of the season where they ultimately ended up almost making the playoffs. I think Miami's good. I don't think Miami is a Super Bowl contender, but I certainly think Miami is a playoff contender. And that's kind of how I felt about the bills in 2019. I was like, the bills are a good team. They're not going to win the super bowl, but I think they're a playoff team. And I think they could win a game or two in the playoffs. And I kind of feel the same way about the dolphins. I don't know if it's recency bias. I don't know if it's that Tua just had a game where he threw six touchdowns. I don't think Tua is going to be a superstar in this league, but I think he's going to be a good quarterback in this league. I think Miami will be the bills toughest game by a pretty wide margin up to this point in the season. And I know that's comparing it to the team that won the Super Bowl last year, the Titans who are the one seed in the AFC and now the dolphins. I don't like that. The bills have to go against a team that has this much confidence, this much swagger. Like I think going into the Rams game, one of the biggest reasons why I thought the bills were going to win because they were playing with house money. It was just like, there's really no risk here. You're going into their stage. They're raising the banner. You've got the new shiny toy in Von Miller. If you lose a game, whatever, it's against an NFC team. You saw that doesn't really matter last year because you lost to the Steelers and the still the season was still fine after that. This one, I think there's a little bit of added pressure knowing that the Dolphins are kind of the young up and coming team. I think it means much more for the Dolphins than it does for the Bills, but I still think it means a lot for Buffalo. Yeah, I like that. I think that. So here's the only issue I have with the comparison. When I'm listening to Marcel, I'm like, that really makes sense. Except for one thing. The Patriots were clearly on a decline in 2019 and 2020. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And it, the bills are not Matt. The bills are not on a decline. They're not. Miami's not ascending where the bills are coming down. Like the bills were ascending in Miami and the Patriots were coming down. But I do agree with from the Miami perspective, what Marcel's saying that like the growing confidence of we've been with this team. Like we've hung with this team. Yeah. You go back even, I'll even go back to remember when Fitz was the quarterback and it was like, okay, this team is horrible to tank for two a year. Yeah. They, they were down at the one yard line, ready to go up two scores on the bills late in the game. And then Travis white had that interception. Yeah. Fitz threw a pick. Game, right. Yep. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Like that also happened. Like this goes back a few years and of course, everything's different. You have a different coaching staff in Miami, but you also have different players and better players now too. than you did then, but that's the only, like compare part of the comparison I don't agree with, which is 
the Bills are not declining. But I do think this is going to be a much tougher game for them than, like you said, maybe the previous two for all those reasons. You you normally, by the way, I think Miami is maybe the worst, one of the worst home field advantages in the league. Yeah, it's not uh, good. The, the, yeah, the, the the fans don't really show up in droves, especially when the team is, you know, middling. It's super hot. They stay away a little bit. But they're going to be rocking this game. They're, they're just going to be Miami fans. It's going to be a loud stadium. There will be a lot of Bills fans. But I do know that when these two teams are both good, they can be, I will say, Miami fans can be fair weather. They'll come out there and they'll support their team because they're playing the Buffalo Bills in an early game when their team is 2-0. and So I do think from that perspective, it's right. Now, the other thing is, we can get into matchups here in a second. We will. We are... We are talking to you here. We're, we are recording this on Wednesday. We don't know the injury situation. Yeah. Yet. I think, I mean, that's gotta be a big storyline, a big part of what, how things unfold and what could happen on Sunday. I don't th- a hundred percent. I don't think it, teams deal with injuries all the time. The way the bills are currently dealing with injuries is pretty unprecedented compared to what they've had the last few years. It's almost like what Baltimore was dealing with last week when they played against the dolphins and they had so many guys out in their secondary. We don't know. I mean, there's a lot of question marks. Let's focus. They're mostly on the defensive side of the ball. We know they don't have Tredavious white. Okay. We knew that going into the season when they put him on the pup list, you could make the argument that he's their best player on defense when he's healthy. If he's not their best, he's in their top three. He's a lockdown corner in the NFL. That's somebody you'd really like to have. Dane Jackson was taken to the hospital in an ambulance. Not that long ago. We have no idea what his status is at this point. Who cares about football? Just thank God that he's okay. And he was released from the hospital. We also found out on Tuesday that Micah Hyde was taken to the hospital to have his neck evaluated. That has been something that has lingered for Micah Hyde, these neck injuries over the course of the summer. We don't know what his status will be. And then you go to guys like, okay, Tim Settle, Ed Oliver, those guys on the line who you really, really like. Oh, by the way, Matt Milano, Jordan Phillips. Like we just said, six guys who are starters in some capacity on the Bills defense. And we don't know if they'll either play play or if they will play what kind of impacts they will be able to have. So I think going into this game, the dolphins might be catching the bills at the perfect time to try and finally end this losing streak that they're on against the bills. I don't think that that means the bills don't have a chance in this game at all. I think the bills should still win, but I think the playing field has been leveled quite a bit because of the injuries. No doubt about that. And if they have to roll out two rookie corners, you know, to start now, they played well, they played Christian Benford was fantastic. I thought, you know, against the Tennessee Titans when he was called upon to, you know, make a couple tackles here and there. And Kyrie Elam has been very good, by the way, I would say it's kind of unfair to Kyrie Elam that Christian Benford has played so well because there's this perception of well, a first round pick. He can't even beat out a sixth rounder, but that sixth rounder has played kind of like a first round pick, right? I mean, yeah. Christian Benford has been that good. So there there's going to be uh there's going to be a big challenge on their plate. There's no doubt. Let me ask you, what did you think of the dolphins coming into this year? Same thing that I, I honestly, I thought that they were going to be a wild card team. So yeah. one of the guys that I golf with pretty frequently, um, he's like, I think I mentioned him on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. He's a cousin, an Italian cousin who isn't actually at all related to me. And he's yep. a huge, yep. Dolph- he's a huge dolphins fan. So all summer he's talking about how good the dolphins are going to be, how good the dolphins are going to be. And, and I think I've said to him like a thousand times, I was like, listen, I think the bills and the dolphins split this year. I don't know why that's just my feeling because it is super hard to sweep your division every single year. Even when the Patriots were great, the dolphins were the team that kind of always gave them a little bit of a headache. Like if we're talking about at the end of the season, after everything has happened, who knows how it ends And the bills had a five and one record in their division. I think most people would be like, all right, that's fine. Like, that that we we would sign up for that. Like obviously you want six and zero, oh, but if it's five and one, and I think that they're significantly ahead of the Patriots and of the Jets, even though the Jets are trending in the right direction. So I think going into the season, I thought they were a wild card team. Now two weeks in, not trying to you know get too crazy. I think there may be a wild card team that has the potential to win a game or two in the playoffs. I don't think they're a contender. But I think they're a team that definitely should make the playoffs. I still want to see more. I think two weeks in, of course, they have these dynamic plays. They're explosive. I think sometimes it just takes a couple of weeks, get them on film a little bit. How are they using Tyreek? How are they using Jalen Waddle? Um, what is what is Tua doing? A lot of times we've seen that. Like 
I, I really believe that every year we get proven this in some way, shape or form by some team. The first month of the season, there are teams that you're like blown away by. And then they're like, okay, well, they weren't really that good. And then there's always teams that are struggling and you're like, you know what? They just, they found their way. They knew what they were doing. I want to see a little bit more. My biggest question coming into the year, like a lot of people was Tua, but also Mike McDaniel as a first time head coach. Now so far, so good. He's done a good job. Mm -hmm. But anytime you go from being a coordinator and um, he was never even a play caller, but anytime you go from being a coordinator to a head coach, there's always that, does he have what it takes to be that CEO, be that leader? Things are going to go wrong during the season. It is a long season, especially if you have big personalities in your locker room and things you have to deal with. The other part of this is they did give up a lot of points to the Ravens. They did. They and did. I, I mean, they have a talented defense, but it's not the bills defense and they're not super deep. And I, I think they're going to have trouble slowing down the bills, but and Matt, if, if they want to get in a track meet, I think the bills are perfectly willing and capable of doing that. Yeah. And I, and I think with the injuries, I almost feel like that's how the bills have to win this game because I do think Miami is going to put up some points. I think they're going to score, you know, the bills have allowed in two games, 17 total points to mm -hmm. the Rams and to the Titans. I would bet that the tight or excuse me, the dolphins put up more than 17 points in this game. I, I think that they might put up in the high twenties or maybe even in the low thirties. I think the bills are obviously very capable of doing that as well. I just don't like for the bills sake that they kind of are pigeonholing themselves or they might have to pigeonhole themselves into playing that type of game. I think the reason the bills are so good, the reason they are a legit super bowl contender is that they can do both. And sometimes you need to lean on one or the other. Sometimes it's got to be a defensive, just juggernaut performance where you squeak out a win in a low scoring game. And other times you got to be able to go on that track meet and just beat the team. Even though, you know, they're going to score 30 points, 35 points, kind of like the playoff game last year against the chiefs. So I don't think that the bills, like there's a reason they're five and a half point favorites right now. If you look at all of the different betting lines, some places have them at four and a half. Most places have them at five and a half. The line has actually moved a little bit. That's as of Wednesday, that line though reads to me like people are begging you to bet the bills, begging you to bet the bills. I mean, they've just won by 34 points against the one seed in the AFC and Vegas always wins. We talk about that. Vegas always wins. And then this is my last thing with the dolphins before we kind of get matchup specific. What teams in the AFC right now do you think are better than Miami. Because I think it's, at least for me, it's the Bills. Maybe, like We're taking this week out of it. Just big picture. Mm -hmm. The Bills, the Chiefs, the Chargers. I would say I still think the Ravens are better than them, even though I know what happened the other day. But after that, I start to like, think the dolphins are right there. in that kind of like five, six range, maybe the Raiders, but I'm not sold on Denver at all. I don't think any teams in the AFC South are good. No. I don't, I don't think the Patriots are good. I don't think the Steelers are good just because of the quarterback situation. I think the Bengals. I mean, they lost to Cooper rush and the Cowboys. Like, I, I don't think they're that good. I think their offensive line is just a mess. Um, I think by the end of the year, the Bengals are better than the dolphins, but I think it's an argument to make right now that the dolphins are better. And you're right. The offensive line is a mess. It's certainly not like mm -hmm. I mean, it might not be. Yeah. I, I still like their team on paper better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. No, I, and that's the thing. I think I am a little bit more concerned about the matchup from the bill standpoint yeah. now than I would have been if you talked to me before the season. But I think a lot of that is because of the injuries the bills are dealing with and not because of anything the bills have done wrong. And I still think that they are going to win this game. I'm going to have a hard time picking against the bills when Josh Allen has been so lights out against Miami in his career. But I think it's going to be a lot, lot tougher of a matchup than I think maybe some bills fans think it's going to be. All right, well, let's get into those matchups. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, it's always game day in Buffalo. The big matchup, obviously, is the two wide receivers, right? 100%. I mean, how the Bills defend them. And I'll give credit to Sneaky Jody Biasi, uh, my co-host on the Extra Point Show on WGR. He brought it up, and he's right. He said, you know, if you look at the way the Bills have kind of played the Dolphins with Tua, they've gone after him. They've blitzed him. You know, it's like, it mm-hmm. make him get rid of the ball. He uh, it, Sometimes he's a bit of a slow release, so if he doesn't, you can get to him. If you just take away his first read and then blitz him, like he, he's, you, you can confuse him maybe, or you know, you can get to him. They did that last year. They knocked him out of the game. Actually, glad mm-hmm. he's okay. Um, if you take a look at the Bills the way they played Tyreek, it's the opposite. They've stayed back. They played that too high shell against Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. We're just going to give this guy, let him catch the ball. We're going to tackle him, make mm-hmm. sure you know. Of course, he's gotten his yard sometimes. I wonder how that gets married this week, Matt. I wonder, do you take the approach to what you've done against Tua? Do you take the approach what you've done against Tyreek? I think you take the approach of what you've done against Tyreek. I think you do whatever you can to keep everything in front of you. I think you really lean on a zone scheme, a heavy zone scheme, just because you don't want to go man on man with those two speedsters, maybe two of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL against two cornerbacks who have at this point, we're just kind of thinking that Dane Jackson has been, is not going to play. We don't know that yet. Like, we don't know that for sure. We're just, I mean, he was in the hospital a couple Mm -hmm. days ago. So you've got two cornerbacks with Benford and with Elam who don't have a ton of experience. I would say the, the one thing that concerns me a little bit is that one of the calling cards for the Bills, since Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer have gotten here is that they do not get beat over the top like ever. And that's how the dolphins beat you. That's exactly what they did against the Ravens. And if Micah Hyde isn't able to go nothing against Jaquan Johnson or DeMar Hamlin and those backups there, but Micah Hyde is kind of like, you know, the guy who's the ball Hawk back there. So that to me is a bit concerning because it opens up those big shots that I think the dolphins really want to take. I think you play them more as you would have against the chiefs than as you have against them the last couple of years, because I think their offense has evolved that much. Yeah. I, I think you have to do that with Tyreek, but I think you got to get some pressure on Tua to not allow that to happen. Not allow hit those guys to get downfield a little bit. And because I do think that you've done a good job of, you know, making him kind of have to make those mistakes, forcing him into it. Now, you don't have to blitz to do it, though. I think that's the ideal no. scenario, right, Matt? Like, the mm-hmm. ideal scenario is here, do what you did against the Rams. Get your pressure with your front four, and then you can blanket the field with that secondary and not have to worry about Tyreek or Jalen Waddle beating you over the top. The player in this game, I think, that is very key to the Bills is Taron Johnson. Yes. Taron Johnson's going to be matched up against Jalen Waddle, and, hey, if you can – if you can keep Tyreek in front of you and not let him explode, well, guess what? Here's Jalen Waddle, though, who obviously is a, uh, a PPR machine if you're talking fantasy football. I mean, they, this guy will just grab up grab up footballs. And I think Taron Johnson really has a, a, a tough task, but one he's been up to. Uh, last year, did a nice job on him. And I think this year he's going to have to do the same thing. And Taron Johnson on Jalen Waddle, to me, is a very, very big matchup in this game. And these are the numbers. And once again, these are a little inflated because the Dolphins were throwing the entire game. They were trying to mount a comeback against the Ravens. But Jalen Waddell, do you know how many targets he had against the Ravens? I don't, but I'll say 11, 12, 19. Amazing. 19 targets. So he had 11 catches on 19 targets. Tyreek had 13 targets, 11 catches on 13 targets. So quick mental math between the two of them. You're talking about 32 targets for just those two guys. So whatever your defensive scheme is, think about those guys. Cause as you go down the list, they've got some nice players. Like I think Mike Gusecki is a good receiving tight end in the NFL. I don't think he can really block. And I think that's why there were like those rumors out there that they weren't going to give him this long-term contract that he wanted, or they're not going to pay him how he wants to be paid. And then as far as the running backs are concerned, they haven't run the ball incredibly well, 
Each of their running backs had right. like nice chunk plays at the end of the half, or excuse me, at the end of their game against the Ravens. So Mostert and Edmonds, uh, I'm a chase Edmonds fantasy owner, and he has been a massive disappointment up to this point. So I don't think you need to be super concerned. I feel like the Mike McDaniel mindset is kind of like the San Francisco mindset. Like let's get running backs out in space. Let's get them wide. Let's try and kind of set the edge. And I think that that takes a while to kind of get to that point. Like your offensive line really needs to be in sync and the dolphins to their credit, they did a lot to try and reestablish their line and give to a protection but it's a lot of new pieces that are getting gelled together. So I don't think there may be to that level yet, at least in the run game, but in the past game, I think they do a really, you know, they've done a nice job. I think the bills, if healthy have the advantage in that situation with the defensive line. But if it's once again, like Daquan and I mean, Jordan Phillips was even hurt in that last game. Like if you got to lean on Daquan and Brandon Bryant, and then your edge rushers, I think that's a matchup that the dolphins could win on the other side of the ball. We know that Josh Allen has had some of the best games of his career against the Miami dolphins multiple times. I think like three times in his career, he's been named the AFC offensive player of the week after playing the Miami dolphins. He's been incredible mm-hmm. against the Miami dolphins just at the right time. Of course, because of this rivalry and, you know, playing that team, Josh Allen has been in- sensational. So the bills, on offense, throwing the football. What does that look like? Matt, do you know where the Miami Dolphins rank in passing yards per play against them this year? Oh, like it's what, gotta, the, what the, uh, the ranking is, a, 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 you know, how many yards given up per pass play? It's got to be like top five, right? You mean worst or best top five? W- worst. It's the worst in the league. Yeah. They've given yeah. up 8.66 yards per pass play. They're worst in the league. Do you know where they rank? In overall defense yards per play given up. Also uh, worst. I was going to say bottom five, bottom 10. Close to seven yards of play total given up. They were eaten up by a deep passing game from Lamar and by a passing game. They were, they gave up big plays. This is how the bills might attack them and Josh Allen's strength. I, for all we talk about with the Miami dolphins and how good they might be on offense. I wonder how do they stop the bills? Well, you look at the long receptions from the game against the Ravens. Bateman had a 75 yard catch, likely had a 34 yard catch. Duvernay had a 26 yard catch. Mark Andrews had a 25 yard catch. Like they were stretching the field. Uh, Like, like that's kind of what they, they give up. That's where they're susceptible, which is interesting because they've got some really nice pieces in the secondary. So I don't exactly know what the bills are going to do. Byron Jones is uh, he's out, right? He's on. He's out. Yep. Uh, Yep. He's on pop. I'm sorry. They do. You're right. They very, they've, they've good safeties. I think their corners are, uh, are struggling a little bit right now though. Well, Xavier Howard is really good. So Xavier Howard, and he seems like the kind of guy who will shadow Stefan Diggs, not like play one side of the field. I I, I don't want to be, we'll have to get a fact check with our friends in Miami on that. But in years past, I remember Howard just kind of file following Diggs. Um, and Holland is great. He's their young. I think he's in his second year. He's their safety. He looks like yep. he's going to be a really good player. So I think the, the key for the bills in this game, and they didn't need it against the Titans, but I think the dolphins have a better defense than the Titans is if Gabe Davis can play because Gabe Davis is such a deep threat that I don't think gets enough respect around the league. But when you have Gabe Davis on the field with Stefan Diggs, you really have two really strong options. Like they were able to stretch the field to Jake Kumaro, but that was a busted coverage. Like he was one-on-one. It was in man. The guy got his, the corner got his back turned around a little bit. Kumaro was able to get separation and make that play. So I think if Gabe Davis plays, that's going to go a long way. And I, I honestly, I was surprised he didn't play against the Titans because it just didn't feel like the severity of the injury was that significant, but I guess we have to figure out and we will this week. Was he held out of the game because the bills thought that they could win without him? Who, was he, Gabe Davis? Yes. Or was he held out of the game because the injury actually wouldn't prohibit him to play? And we don't know. And we probably will never know from like what Sean McDermott tells us. So that's just one of those things. We're going to wait and see when they practice, but they're not practicing this week until Thursday. 
We will have an injury report on Wednesday. So by we the time will. people hear this, they'll they'll have the injury report, but it'll be like an estimation or something like that because you know they'll have a walkthrough. I would say this. I think if Gabe Davis could have played on Monday night, he would have played. I don't think the Bills would hold him out because they feel that they could win. But I also would say that they have erred on the side of caution usually, right? They yeah. usually slow play these things, right? And say, yeah. hey, it's not about we think we can win. It's hey, we like who we have behind him. So, you know, let's not rush him back. We're not gonna try and we're not gonna try and do something that's gonna put him in harm's way. So yeah, I, I think this is a um, a game that I don't know, Matt. What's the, what's the over under on this game? It's like in the fifties, right? Fifty one, maybe. Yeah, and it keeps going up. I think. And I, I think saw, that's yeah, yeah. maybe that's what people are looking at. Maybe there's more points scored here because I just don't know how the Dolphins stop the Bills' offense, but at the same time, the Dolphins are so explosive. You think they're going to get their points in some way? They're going to get their plays down the field in some way, and of course, injuries are going to be a big part of it. Um, anything else on this matchup before we wrap up? I want to ask you about a couple of things around the league. Well, I think the key to the game for the Bills in this one. We've talked so much about their young cornerbacks against Tyree kill and against Jalen Waddle. Like those guys are really, really good, but I want to see on the other side of the ball, how the bills get like guys like Isaiah McKenzie in Dawson Knox involved, because I do think that the dolphins have one of those defenses where they can try and limit a couple like individual players. And without knowing what happens with Gabe Davis, I want to see if we could, cause Dawson Knox has had good games against the dolphins in the past. Isaiah McKenzie is starting to like, I want to see what those guys roles are because I think that there's big opportunity there. All right. Have you looked at the, um, like just kind of taking in the schedule this week at all. I mean, I was looking this morning because I was thinking of, okay, who am I taking to my survivor and death pool? That's yeah, a tough a... week this week. Well, I'm already out of mine. So I was, uh, in, I, I was in Paul Hamilton's loser pool. Uh, and I, okay. And well, I, I yeah. took the Cowboys against the Bengals. I was like, there's no way the Bengals are starting the season. Oh, and two against Cooper rush. And uh, boy, <laughs> was, boy, was I wrong. Well, this isn't really a survivor and death pool point. It's more about the, the the schedule because there are some interesting games. But I will say, I'm still alive. I'm scared to take the Chiefs over the Colts, even though the Colts look horrible because you never know in these situations. A team that's just so desperate at home. And um, that's why, I, I, I don't know, but maybe that's the play. But if you look around the AFC, already some big games, including Steelers at Browns Thursday night. Ravens at Patriots on Sunday, Mm -hmm. Raiders at Titans, even Bengals at Jets, right? There are already big games in the AFC and close games, games that are kind of tough to call, but are going to say a lot maybe about the standings after three weeks. The one that I'm circling is the Raiders and the Titans, because I think going into the season, a lot of people would have thought that one of or both of those teams would be playoff teams. Mm -hmm. And assuming that doesn't end in a tie, (laughs) one of those teams is going to be 0-3 to start the season. And I think at that point, maybe not as much for the Titans, but if the Titans beat the Raiders and the Raiders are 0 three in that division, good luck. You're, you're done at that point. You're not getting that many wins against when you still have to play all of these different teams in your division. So I think the Titans, if they start 0 three, they might still be able to win their division. Cause I don't think it's very good. Um, but yeah, that's the one that I'm circling. And then I'm also just intrigued by, of course, I think the bills and the dolphins might be the best game on the schedule, but I am intrigued by the Ravens and the Patriots because I think the Ravens are going to win. Like, I think the Ravens are the better team. I still think that they're a legit contender, but if they lose one and two, once again, really uphill battle to climb. And then if the Patriots lose, given what's goes, what happens in the bills dolphins game, like they might be just can burying themselves anyway. So I, those are the two big games in the AFC that I think have some serious playoff implications, even though we are only in week three. How about the fact that bills play the Ravens next week, right? I mean, it depends on what happens in that game and how maybe we're, we're perceiving the Ravens or what that game looks like for the bills and the Ravens. In the meantime, it's the bills and the dolphins. Um, I fly down on the team charter. When are you going down to Miami? Uh, so. I'm not thrilled about this, but at the same time, I had to kind of pick the lesser of two evils. I chose when I booked the travel months ago to fly down in the afternoon on Saturday. So I'm going to get to spend no time really in Miami, but I wanted a direct flight. So there's not a ton of direct flights on Southwest anymore to Lauderdale. So I get there at like seven o'clock on Saturday, but I didn't want to have to spend like six and a half hours traveling just to get there at one o'clock. It's still nice in Buffalo right now. So like if this would have been in November or December, I would have been getting there at 8 a.m. on Saturday morning. But given the weather here, I'm just like, yeah, I'll get there when I get there. 
Uh, look, it's the same thing. I mean, when I, I, I travel with the team and the, the team's itinerary is always basically we arrive in the city that, that the Bills are playing the evening before the game, like dinner time, four o'clock at the hotel, basically. So mm-hmm. I'm in the same boat. I don't get to spend much time. The difference is I also get out of there very quickly after the game. And I always tell people it's wild, Matt. Like, so because we travel with the team and with the, the, the players and all that, after the game, you get right on the bus, you go to the airport. I will be in my house. The game will end at what? Four Eastern time, right? Four fifteen. Yep. Yeah. I will probably be in my house before halftime of Sunday night football in Buffalo. I might not be back to my hotel yet by <laughs> halftime of Sunday night football. Still doing the stuff. That's that amazing I need to, do. to think about, right? Yeah. And it's even worse when you consider that I've got a 5 a.m. flight the next morning, Ooh. not direct because there weren't any available where you got to stop in Baltimore for two hours. Love the Baltimore airport. Great airport to have to connect in. But then I won't get back to Buffalo until like noon. And then once again, you're just getting ready for a crazy. I, I am not complaining. We are so, so, so fortunate to do the job that we do. Yep. But my sleep schedule is already so messed up yep. because of the NFL schedule. Like I slept. On, I guess it would be Monday night, but it was really Tuesday morning. I got back home close to 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't, I was too wired because I had so much coffee to stay awake to do the podcast and to finish doing the work that I probably didn't fall asleep till four. Um, and then I, when my woke, when my wife woke up at 7 a.m., I was up. I got like two and a half hours of sleep and then I, I couldn't was, fall back asleep. I was in the same boat after you and I recorded uh, Monday night. I got home at 2.40. I mean, at home at one thirty, got to bed at two forty. Had radio all the next day, and um, you know, and then and then went to the Bison's game on Tuesday night because my son Max, his travel baseball team, had a big uh, awards thing, and they were on the field. Oh, that's sweet. Cool. So we did all that. I slept a little bit today, then went to the gym and got back at it. So today's my, kind of my recovery day. It is Wednesday today, but we are doing this. Needless to say, I don't think we're going to be at Hard Rock Stadium late into the night recording the next podcast. I don't think we'll no, do that, which is um, very nice. <laughs> but Let's- we'll be able to. Go ahead. And I was going to say, which is very nice. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. You want to close out with predictions? Yeah, it's so tough with these injuries. I think the Bills win. Um, I think it'll be highest, higher scoring game. I think the Dolphins will get some points. They'll get to 20, 23. I'll say, how about 27, 23 Bills? Okay. I, I'm kind of on the I same reserve page. the right, we all do, to change. This is Wednesday we're talking about this without knowing the injury reports. 100%. I also think, I think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring. Um, excuse me, going to say Bills 31, Dolphins 28. And the 30s. How do I have the Bills in the 30s? I'll just stick with that right now, but maybe, I'll, maybe. Yeah, I'll just say 27, 23 for now. Yeah, my think my thought process is like they put up 41, they put up 31. Yeah. Like I think they're I think that's almost like their floor, which is wild that their yeah. floor is like it's high wild. 20s and low 30s. So I still think that they're going to get their points. Um but I think the Dolphins are going to get their points. It's just a matter of, you know, big plays at big times, trying to force Tua into some mistakes, maybe getting a couple turnovers and hoping that you're healthy because that is a big story like if all of the guys that are on the injury report can't go, then I think the dolphins might win this game. But if it's like half, if like half of the guys on the injury report are able to play kind of regardless of who they are, then I still think I'm going to go with the bills. And for the sake of this, I am going with the bills. I'm going to go with the team. That's got Josh Allen. Cause that always seems like a good idea. By the time we get to Sunday, I'll probably up that Bills score a little bit, but uh, I'll sit here right now and and go with that, and uh, we'll see how it goes, and then we'll talk about it next time we meet, maybe on Monday or whatever. Matt and I will be back with another It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast. Once again, thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing. We appreciate all of our listeners, whether you've been with us for a while or you're brand new. Every single week, we're doing it twice a week. Thanks for coming aboard.